What up, what up, what up, everybody? This is the Dr. Football Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dennis Tian, live from the Hedge Better studio in Braintree. With me as all is the C- always the CEO of Hedge Better, Justin Fine. Justin, what's going on, my friend? How are you today? Oh, it's a tough Monday, I think, to be a it- Patriots fan. Very tough Monday. You were at the game. You got to witness it in person, live. What are your thoughts? I mean, I have, we have so much we're going to go through, but I'm going to tell you, just referencing being at the game, I mean, yeah. I knew there was a problem from the second I walked in the stadium and saw them because they just did not look like a team that was ready to go fight for their season at all. They, they looked flat and clearly they go. came out that way. Yeah. Well, so you're saying you could sense like a, a low energy about the team? Absolutely. Yeah. And I even said it uh, in a text message to a friend at the time. I said, they they look like a team that isn't, is not here to fight for their season. That was before okay. kickoff. And clearly that's exactly, exactly what happened. They, they were yeah. a team that, that just was not ready to play. But we got a lot to talk to. I am a real doctor, but we don't talk anything to do with medicine. We talk only football, New England Patriots on this podcast. And we, we have a ton to get to. And, and there is yeah. so much to say. This was more than just a garden variety loss. Let's get right to it. As always, we start with the kickoff. That's the opening take that sets the table for the podcast. We'll go through a couple important topics, and then we are going to go through the breakdown, which is a run by, rundown of the game and a couple of the key inflection points in the game. And it's kind of crazy, Justin, because yep. there really weren't many. There really weren't many inflection points. There's not a lot to talk about in this game in terms of what actually happened in the game. I mean, it was just a thorough butt kick. And it was that's a thorough really butt kicking. All that you could say, right? And like, it was over in the first quarter. So there are there yeah. are a few little things that that we can um, bring up, and so we will. And then we're going to go around the league. And I think uh, you know we better get used to going around the league because the way this season is heading, <laughs> right. we're going to be talking a lot more about what's happening in places outside of Foxborough for the rest of the year. And you know, Justin, what I want to begin with is just. Um, the 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 situation and 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 I'm just going to say this right, right now and we've talked a ton on on this podcast about yep. the Bill Belichick doomsday clock and and we've moved it back and forth based on things that have happened but I think we all have kind of had this sense the end was was fast approaching or coming trending in that direction and I want to say today unequivocally that unless something dramatic changes in the next 12 games, that I am 1,000% comfortable with this franchise moving on from Bill Belichick this year. I'm okay with it. He's going to set the win record somewhere else. I'm okay with it. I don't care about the win record. He's going to get his 300th win somewhere else if if it gets that bad. I'm okay with it. He can win a Super Bowl with the Chargers. He can win a Super Bowl with the, the Vikings or the Cowboys. Go ahead and let him. Go ahead and let him because this right now is simply not working here anymore. And we, as Patriots fans, we have to be ready to move on. I mean, it's time to move on. I think you're right. And you know what? I think I've been a little less doom, you know. Absolutely. uh, Your doomsday clock has always been a few minutes behind behind yours. Exactly. Um, but I got to say, I'm right there with you now. And, you know, the Cowboys loss when we going back two weeks ago was so uncharacteristic and it was so um, I think it just set off so many alarm bells for us as fans. Right. And to follow it up with the performance that we saw against New Orleans, it's like, 
how can you think anything but the worst for this franchise? Like the the players, like the morale, like you said, the energy was low. Like it was very apparent. Like that is not a team that's there to compete. It's not a team um, that is even taking like their season seriously anymore. Exactly, and it, it it looks like they look like a team that's quit. Yes, and and I think that's as concerning as anything. You know, right now, if the season ended today, they would have the number three pick in the draft. Right now, in terms of their conference standing in the yep. AFC, they are in 16th place in the AFC. They are the worst team in the American Conference, yep. football conference. For the first yep. time in 30 plus years, this team is the worst team arguably in professional football. I, I really think you could argue they are the worst team in football. And the reason for that is 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 not only the dreadful performance on the field but if you look at a lot of the other teams that you might consider for that title yeah. they at least have some hope or some direction yeah. and right now it just feels like the patriots have none i don't think and i think that why this is such a dark day for new england patriots fans is not only the fact that this team is bad but it's also that the future is unknown we are on the verge of cutting the cord with the final and greatest tie to the Patriots dynasty and Bill Belichick, because I think that's where it's headed. Yeah. And I don't think there's one player on this roster. There's no franchise quarterback. There's no franchise defender. I mean, there's no core of players to build around. The cupboard is bare. Not only are they a terrible team, they're a terrible team without hope, or without a clear path forward. You know, I so I would say that I actually do think we have a couple of good core pieces, right? Like I look at guys like, like, you know, it's obviously question marks now, right? With their health in the future, right? But I looked at someone like Christian Gonzalez and I said, okay, he was showing potentials of like a young cornerstone piece, right? Some guys like, like Uche, Bentley, like I, Bentley, like I think those were guys you could build, uh, you know, a, a defense around. But I think to your point, specifically in the offensive side of the ball, right? Who would you point to? I think we saw that like, especially this year, like, Ramondre may just be a little bit overrated. He's right? majorly overrated. Majorly overrated. We're seeing that there's nobody on the line, especially none of our recent draft picks that are standing out as like, you know, like you said, just absolute stalwarts on that line. Um, our young receivers, I mean, have done nothing, you know, to note. So it, 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 and our quarterback is looking the worst he's ever looked in his career the last two games. So you look at it and you say, you know, you may have a couple of good pieces on defense and some good some good guys uh, that maybe you could start with, but really, what do you have? You're, you have scraps. You have scraps. They, they have scraps. And, and I, I mean, even, you know, I mean, Hunter Henry might be the best player on their offense right now. And yeah. he's a free agent this year. He's free and, agent. And he's like, what, 28, 29? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Why, why would any, you know, viable free agent want to stay here based on what's happened during his three years here. Yeah. I'll tell you, Justin, what I find so frustrating about this, and we're going to get into Belichick, we're going to get into Mac, we're going to talk about some of the other, the bigger issues with the franchise. Um, but before we even get into any of that, what I find so insanely frustrating yeah. about this whole situation is the fact that it is, what is happening with this team is 1000% predictable. You and I, we're not football geniuses. No. Okay, Bill Belichick is, is supposed to be the greatest coach of all time. And I believe he was a great coach at one time. I'm not one of these people that's going to take away from him what he did or put it all on Brady. But 
how in the name of God did you go into the season with this collection of talents when you had multiple opportunities to fix some of the problems on this roster from free agency to the draft to DeAndre Hopkins to everything else and they didn't do it. You listen back to this podcast. We Our audience is growing on this podcast and we're appreciative for that. If you are listening to us for the first time or the second time, go back and listen to our preseason issue, our preseason edition. What did we say at the time? The offensive line had the ability to take this team down and ruin their season before Halloween. When you looked at their early yep. schedule, when you looked at who was on this offensive line, we talked about how Trent Brown was unreliable. He's been unreliable. We talked about how Cole Strange was underperforming, he's underperformed. We talked about how there was Michael Owen A was injured. He's clearly playing like he's hurt. We talked about how the right tackle was a gaping hole. And we talked about the, the teams they were playing and the quarterback they had and how it was a terrible setup for disaster. This is us, but it wasn't just us. It was the guys on the sports hub. It was the yep. guys on WEI. It was the Globe Brothers. It was Phil Perry. It was Tom Curran. It was other franchise guys that covered other franchises. It was got executives for other teams. It was everyone knew this was a setup for disaster. It wasn't going to work. So what the hell was Bill Belichick thinking going into this team, going into this season with this situation? There's just absolutely no explanation. So look, you know, just to take it a step further, um, you know, you look at all the different things that we have all throughout, you know, dating back through last season, through this preseason, right up until, you know, week five now, whatever we're in, we've talked about multiple different facets of like the Patriots organization in what some of the problems could be, right? We've talked about the coaching and the Latin, you know, whether Bill Belichick has lost a step and whether the rest of like the, the coaching staff is, is, you know, they're, they're losing talent, right? Um, we've talked about how the offensive line, like you said, uh, is a real problem and we haven't done anything to address it. We've talked about how our skill players are a real problem. We haven't done anything to address it. We've talked about how our defense while seemingly good, hasn't actually been proven as like a, you know, standout defense, right? We've talked about, we've talked about, we talked about Mac Jones potentially not being a winner and not being able to close out games. Like we've talked about a number, number of things as to what could be contributing to the Patriots downfall. And I think it's all the above. It, it is all the above, but I mean, you cannot win at football if you can't block. It is it is still an important sure. part of the game. For sure. And we all knew that this team had a huge problem on the offensive line from last year, and it got worse going into this year. Yep. And they did absolutely nothing to address it. How you look at, at five weeks into the season, and right now they are the worst pass blocking team in the NFL. Statistically, they gave up the most amount of pressure is at 42%. I think the next team is like in the low 30s. They have the least time for the quarterback to throw of any team in the NFL. We knew this was coming. Everyone knew this was coming. How did Bill Belichick not know this was coming? That's the million dollar question. And you know what? You wonder if it's, again, he did know when he just chose to ignore it because maybe his ego, like we've said many times, Bill's ego gets in the way was this an ego play like was this all like the writing was on the wall and this was like bill's 
greatest challenge yet. Like, oh, I've won Super Bowls. I've done this. I've done that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove that you can take a a bum roster with all of these problems, and I'm gonna win with it. Like, is it was this like a uh, like a swan song for Bill? Like his 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 challenge that failed and backfired. I I I, I honestly think it was just a tremendous error in judgment. I mean, that's all you can say it is, but, but yeah. add it to the list yeah. of things he's really screwed up in the last five years. You know, the Brady thing was a tremendous error in judgment. The, the Matt Patricia Joe judge thing was a tremendous error in judgment. Maybe the Malcolm Butler thing going back to when they were winning Super Bowls was a tremendous error in judgment. He's yeah. getting further and further off the reservation, the older he gets. And this, to me, I think is the final straw. You go into the season with huge holes on the offensive line and huge holes at wide receiver. You do not, there are other flaws on the team, as you alluded to, yeah. but those are the fatal flaws. You know, they're week five in, they have the worst offensive line in the league statistically. They also have the worst ri- wide receivers in terms of separation. That's yeah. an advanced stat that's that's out there. Devontae Parker being number one. Devontae Parker being years. number one for years. Yeah. And they not only do they keep him on the team, and not replace him. Extended. They they extended him. <laughs> they gave him even more money right. to be the worst at getting separation of the league. So they have just absolutely mangled both those positions to the point where I do believe there's some talent on this team, but they cannot win no. because their offensive line is so bad and their wide receivers are so bad. We're going to talk about the quarterback in a few minutes. I don't care who's playing quarterback. Nobody can win with this team. Even Brady would look way less than he should um, with with this like than he should with this collection of crap talent around them, and I don't understand what Belichick is thinking. And this is why I think this is so relevant to moving forward when we look at the future of this franchise, Justin, yeah. and what is coming and why this is probably going to be Bill Belichick's last year in New England when it's all said and done. And I'm going to tell you why because. They're trending for a top 10 pick, best case scenario, right? They could easily end up with the number two or number three pick the yeah. way this is heading. They're going to have 130 or $140 million in cap room next year and a chance to draft the next quarterback. Do you trust Bill Belichick after what you've seen the last four years? Do you want him to be the person when you have this opportunity again to rebuild? Do you want Bill Belichick to be the person orchestrating that rebuild? No, I mean... And to answer your question with a question, right? We talk, we're talking about someone like a Caleb Williams being like a generational quarterback right. coming out, right? And, you know, if he doesn't go number one, it's number two guaranteed, right? If the Patriots were to say have the number one pick or the number two pick with a realistic shot at Caleb Williams, would you trust Bill to make that pick? No, I wouldn't, right? So, like, to your point, it's like, I don't want Bill in a situation where, if we are for the first time since I can remember as a fan in a great position in terms of having a, a, a great uh, draft pick in the first round, high draft capital. When's the, I mean, when's the last time we've had a top three, four, even five draft pick? 1993. Okay. It's so, been 30 years. Right. So it's right. like you finally get a chance to do that and you need a multitude of things I mean, very I mean, this, this franchise could be getting a top five draft pick in what – Everyone says is right. the strongest quarterback class to come out in a generation, uh, a historic quarterback class. There's right. multiple prospects. You got the number three pick. Are are you going to chance Bill Bill Belichick makes that pick right based on what he's done? And and one thing I feel like I I need to distinguish. We're going to get to Mac Jones, but 
I don't separate, and this is what separates me from a lot of other people that analyze and talk yeah. about this team. I don't separate this into a Bill Belichick versus Mac Jones thing. To me, Mac Jones's failure is Bill Belichick's failure. We always say Bill Belichick has total control. So if he blew the Mac Jones draft pick, I don't blame Mac Jones for that as much as I blame Bill Belichick for that. You took this kid with the first round pick. We're watching him melt the, melt the part now in his third season. A lot of it is because of the circumstances around it. A lot of it is because of Mac and who he is both psychologically and physically. If that's another blowing draft pick, that's on Bill Belichick too. Yeah. Well, all right. So here's the only thing. And I, ju- I just want to get this out of the way because I agree with you completely. But I do think it's worth making this point, right? Is, you know, we've talked many times and we've said that, you know, even still, we'd probably put Mac in, you know, the top at least two, you know, definitely three of that quarterback class in that that draft class, right? When he came out. So it's almost like, you know, the Patriots were in desperate need of a quarterback. Obviously, Brady's gone. The Cam Newton experiment backfires horribly. They don't sign anyone free agent. It's, you know, apparent they're going to go out and draft someone. They really were between a rock and a hard place. Like, who could they have taken that would have panned out? You know what I mean? So, I guess it, I, I still look at it as like they maybe took the best guy that they could have gotten, arguably. I mean, unless you want to say like Trevor Lawrence is raised himself to that point above Mac, but like I still think they took like the best dude they could have in that situation. But to your point, they did everything wrong in terms of getting the best out of him. Yeah, his you know what? Here's the thing. And and you know, like I'm I've always been a Mac guy and yeah. I do think they ruined him as a player. I really do. And so like I don't I don't blame I don't blame Mac Jones for um for 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 a lot of what's happened here. I really right. don't. But but we all knew Brady was one foot out the door for like four years before he left. There were multiple opportunities for this team to um, for this team to draft the replacement for Tom Brady. They didn't have to wait till twenty twenty one to, no, to true. yeah. You know they 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 did they did not have to wait until 2021 to draft Tom Brady's replacement. They could have done it in 18 or 19 or 20. There were guys there, guys that have turned out to be good players that that this team just blew off the quarterback position knowing that you had a quarterback in his late 30s or early 40s that obviously there was tension between him and the coach and things you know, he had one foot out the door for a couple of years at the end. They waited on it. And then they put yeah. themselves in a position where they had to draft someone in 21 because they had no one. I blame Belichick for the mismanagement of the quarterback position. Like I blame everything else. So I don't, I don't absolve, I don't absolve Mac Jones for what's going on because this, we're going to get to him in a second. Right. But at the end of the day, if Mac Jones is a failure, that's a, bl- that's another blown first round pick from Bill Belichick. A hundred percent. One last point about Belichick, Justin, then we are going to move on a little more talking depth about Mac Jones and where the team is with yeah. the quarterback position. It felt like the Patriots tuned Bill Belichick out and it just felt like the message wasn't resonating anymore. And it really almost felt like the team quit uh, to me. What do you think? I mean, it's tough to like at this point, it would be tough to to speculate that, you know, Bill still has the locker room and he still has like their trust and their respect and they're all still bought in to the goal and in the vision. Um, you know, did did you listen to, to Bill's comments that he made in the press conference when yes. he said they had to, what was it? Start Re- over. Start over. Start right? over. And they said, what does that mean? And he said, start over. Right. Right. 
You wonder what that means. Could he be alluding to something? Does Is he hinting at the fact that maybe, you know, he has lost the locker room. Maybe the team has given up, right? Like he could be talking about a bunch of different things, but it is very apparent that this is not a cohesive unit at all. It, it is a hundred percent. And look, every, every manager or coach, eventually their message stops resonating in that locker room. The fact that Bill Belichick made it like 23 years to get to that point is actually a tremendous credit to him. And, and also, frankly, a credit to Tom Brady and some of the other veterans that yeah. were a part of this franchise. Because yeah. that core of veteran leadership that they always seem to find a way to replenish and rebuild for like two decades. Um, it kept the Belichick way and the Patriot way being important in this locker room for whatever reason, Brady's gone, McCourty's gone. There's no real connection to that time, save for David Andrews, Matt Slater, right. one or two other guys. Yep. The message is not resonating anymore. And it's just like, if nothing else with Belichick, even if he takes no culpability and you know, he, you know, you argue that he still can coach, at this point. You have to say, they, if nothing else, they need a change of messaging, a change of scenery, and, and new leadership. Something. You, you just can't help but feel like there's no way they could continue with what they have. You know what I mean? Something needs to be shaken up on yeah. some level. So if you think that, you know, if, if that's on the coaching level, so be it. If that's on a, you know, the quarterback level, so be it. Something needs to happen. All right, let, let's move on. Let's move on to the quarterback now because we got a lot to talk about yeah. with with Mac Jones as well. And I think I think that's one of the reasons this is such a, a dark day for Patriots fans too because it's getting harder and harder to defend Mac Jones and to say that that you have hope that he can be the guy that this team rebuilds with. Now, I am the captain of the team. That, that argues that Mac Jones has been handed a bag of crap the last three years. This has Correct. been a terrible situation. The masterclass at ruining a young quarterback, in my mind, is more or less complete. Mac Jones is ruined, or he looks ruined right yeah, now. I agree. It may, he's going to get 12 games. I hope he gets 12 games to fix it. I do not think they should bench him. I think you have to ride with this guy and let him fail. It's the easy way out for him to, to just throw him on the bench and let someone else do it. Yep. I want this guy to play, if only because to see what you have with him, how he responds to adversity, and who knows, maybe he'll grow psychologically if 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 you keep him in there. Well, I mean, 100%. Like, we've said this multiple times. You know, we've said like, hey, look, even with the giant bag of crap that he's been handed in terms of not only like his OC last year with Patricia and that whole experiment gone awry, but his weapons, um, his O-line, like we, we, we you know, We've pretty much given him every valid excuse that we can, right? Yeah. But what, the one thing we've said is that despite all the things he has going against him, we would like to see like a game or two sprinkled in where it's like, hey, despite that he's clearly playing with an inferior, you know, coaching staff, weapons, or yep. whatever it is, Mac Jones steps up and shows that, hey, there is talent, there is potential here. If you put the right pieces around me, I can take over and I can win games, right? I can, I can make do. And he is, I just can't think of a single quote unquote, like Mac Jones game in his 10 years of Patriots where I can say, oh, Mac came, took this game over and we won and we won big against a team that like we probably shouldn't have beat. If anything, it's funny because some of the best performances we've said about Mac since he's been a Patriot have come in losses. Yes. 
It's true. And yeah. and every everything with Mac Jones, and this is what I've come to realize over the last five games. I felt like he showed a lot in his rookie year. And he just he he really had one of the 10 best rookie years a quarterback has ever had statistically. I mean, that's a fact. He was voted to the top 100 of yeah. the NFL list by his peers. I mean, that's I think a tremendous he was a pro bowler, right? He was a pro bowler, yeah. which means something, maybe less than that, but still means something. He got an absolute bag of garbage last in the second year. And I think that right. that was that was a that, that that you had to give him the benefit of the doubt and give him the third season. But where have the moments been? Where have the Mac Jones moments been right. where you say, you know, this kid was handed a bag of crap, but he found a way to make it work. I'm willing to make excuses for him to a point right. because I know the circumstances haven't been good. But at some point he has to do something that makes you say, damn, that kid really balled out. And yeah. he just hasn't had those kind of moments in now 35 starts look at what kenny pickett who i dump on kenny i don't think kenny pickett is a good quarterback look at what he did yesterday against baltimore winning that game in the fourth quarter i still don't think kenny pickett's a quarterback that that that's a good quarterback when has mac jones ever had a moment where he against a better team in a tough spot came back in the fourth quarter and ended up on top of the game. It's never, never happened, happened in his entire career. At some point, you have to stop making excuses for him. He has to show more. It's 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 just 100% the case at this point. I couldn't agree more. And you know, it's not to say that any of those excuses aren't valid in that he doesn't have those things working against him, but to our point, you need to see glimpses. You need to see that the potential is there. In you know, it's almost like a chicken or the egg argument. It's like we've talked about, and you know, I know we've brought this up before, not to rehash it, but it's like you know, the pieces weren't put in place around him. Was Bill or was Robert like? Were they waiting to like see that in him before they committed full for, full throttle and said, "All right, we're going to bring in these free agents. We're going to draft these guys." Like you know what I mean? Like again, like I don't want to make excuses for for the poor management, but you almost wonder if they were like trying to test the viability of their young quarterback before making that big investment in his supporting cast. Well, let let me tell you, if that was the approach, shame on them, because what they really did is they psychologically ruined him. For sure. And he looks like a player right now that's psychologically ruined. People talk about his arm strength. I, I just don't think it's a problem. I think he has a good arm. I don't think he has a great arm. I look across this league and the top two MVP candidates are two attacking the and Brock Purdy. And I think Mac has a better arm than either of those guys. Yeah. Joe Burrow is like the cat's meow now. I don't think there's a huge difference in talent between Joe Burrow and Mac Jones and how they throw the ball. The difference is in between the airs. It's in between, yeah. it's in their head. 100%. And Mac Jones is a player right now that is psyched out he lacks confidence. Yep. He's sped up. That's why sometimes his balls don't look good. His passes don't look good because he's not setting up and having proper mechanics because no. he is so sped up and psyched out at this point. And the lack of talent around him has only added fuel to that fire where, you know, he doesn't, he, he has had so much put on him from day one because he's never had a number one receiver. He's no. never had a good line. There's been instability in the coaching. You go through it all, I've said it a hundred times. It's now gotten into his head. And this guy is ruined. I'll say it again. I think the master class in, in, in how to ruin a young quarterback is officially over. Mac Jones is ruined until proven otherwise. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's a very, very sad day for, 
for all levels of the Patriots organization, all the way down to the fans. And we're certainly feeling it after that loss this weekend. So, so what do you do, Justin, with the rest of the, of the, of the year? We got 12 games left. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what do they do? What do they do at quarterback for the rest of this year? And what do they do at quarterback beyond? Because what I'm saying, I'm going to take the same approach to Mac Jones yeah. that I took to Bill Belichick, which is that, Hey, Mac Jones could probably go to somewhere else and he might actually save his career. He goes to Minnesota, right? If Minnesota takes him and he has a great year and, and ends up being a really good quarterback for them. I'm okay with that at this point, because unless I see something in the next 12 games, I think you, there's no way you can come back in 2024 with this guy as your quarterback. I mean, I, I think not only do I agree, but it seems to be the general consensus, like, you know, from what I've been seeing online, from people I've been talking to, I think a lot of people feel the same way. It's like, you know, Mac basically has the rest of the season to prove that he should be back in 2024. And as of right now, I think the majority of people would say no. Um, and you can't really blame them. People are done. Like you said, people are done, uh, you, you know, falling back in the excuses for why Mac isn't delivering, right? At a certain point, like you said, you have to just accept that either he was ruined or whatever, but it's all coming down to the fact that we need to move on. Should, should they should they stick with Mac for the rest of the year or should they bring Bailey Zappi or Will Greer? Uh, well, you know what? This That to me is tough because I think it depends on, you know, Mac – has one year left on his contract, right? I mean, do you at this point? You know, he's a former first round pick. You got to try to get the most that you can for him, right? And I mean, if, if you bench him, what does that say? Exactly. I mean, I mean, the, the first of all, I'm so tired of hearing about Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi is not the answer. He stinks. Okay, you saw it in both of these two games when he yeah. got in there. He can't throw. He's he's worse. Far worse in terms of our talent than Mac Jones. He is absolutely not the answer. The Patriots have done everything in their power to replace Bailey Zappi since like June or July. Or actually, no, since like February or April, right? They brought in McSorley, drafted Malik Cunningham, brought in Matt Corral, brought in um, Will Greer. They've done everything they can to replace Bailey Zappi because they know that he sucks. So I don't want to hear about Bailey Zappi. If you're hung up on Bailey Zappi, if you think Bailey Zappi is going to fix this mess, then you do not know football. Just that simple to me. I, I'm so tired of hearing about Bailey Zappi. He is not, he can, he will do nothing with this awful team around him. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, if anything, look, I, you know, there's no reason to believe that all of a sudden Mac in in, in the cast around him is going to start going out there and, and, and putting on a show and winning all these games, right? So if I'm the Patriots, I say, hey, keep Mac in anybody out there that we could potentially use as, as trade bait uh, or, you know, try to move for assets and hope that we wind up with it you know, a bottom five pick out of it and run the season into the ground. But I don't think, I don't think you wave the white flag and just, you know, bench everybody. I, I actually, at this point, see it as a no lose prospect playing play Mac the next 12 games because right. either one of two things happens. Either he, he, he steps it up and he shows you enough somehow, which yeah. seems so unlikely, right? I know. Crazy. But, but, but he's all of a sudden takes that step. And finally he, he develops that, that fight, that fire that I think he's sorely lacking. 
And, um, and, and he, and he ends up being someone you can say, Hey, he really showed out in these last 12 games and I'm impressed. We're going with Mac. That's one remote possibility, but a far more likely possibility is it just all falls apart and they end up at the top of the draft. Like, I, I really feel like either way you have to give this kid the next 12 games and let the chips fall where they might. The problem with Patriots fans is they are, they are so unfamiliar with the concept of a losing season, right? The team hasn't been this bad in 30 right. years. And there are people, all due respect from your generation, that have never had a truly bad football season ever yeah. at any point in their life. 1990, 1992, you know, 1989. That's where the Patriots are right now. Matt, Bailey Zappi is not going to fix that. He's not the answer to that, okay? So you might as well roll with Mac Jones because he has shown some flashes of... I don't want to say, I mean, he's showing something in, in at some point, right? He's a first round pick. Ride or die with him. And if it falls apart, good. Because now you're picking second or third in the draft and you're taking the next guy. Yeah, I agree completely. That's, that's where they are right now. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, let's let's move on. Let's move forward to the to the next topic. Um, I want to talk about um macro. Because Macro is a name that I have not heard mentioned much in, in the Boston sports media in, in the last few weeks. Yeah. Macro is skating in all of this. I understand he does not have total control over the personnel because Belichick is still the final decision maker. He is still a huge part of their personnel operation. Look at some of the decisions personnel-wise this franchise has made since Matt Groh took over in the last two years, it has been an abject disaster. Cole Strange, Tyquan Thornton, okay, Trent Brown. Didn't we all know that Trent Brown was unreliable and unstable and, and, and injury prone? So when Trent Brown is playing true to that form and he's the only tackle on your roster yeah. and you and you macro just extended him shame on you devonta parker they gave money to devonta parker right did they did you see what deandre hopkins did yesterday eight catches 140 yeah. oh, yards I, I in, saw, in tennessee yeah. against indy matt grow has been an abject disaster as a personnel guy and i feel like he absolutely deserves way more criticism than he's getting uh, I mean, I mean, look, the reason, the reason why he, people like him skate by is because we talk about Belichick and Belichick has presented himself as being like the end all be all, like the all powerful of the franchise. So I think when it comes to some of the other key components, some of the key actors, I think people just kind of forget that there is anybody else than Bill. That's what I think personally. I mean, I think how many times have we mentioned people other than Bill or even Robert Kraft? Like it's pretty much those two. I mean, right? there's always been yeah. in this organization somewhere that that like second in command personnel guy, Thomas Dimitrov, Scott Scott Pioli, Nick Casario, right? Yeah. Macro taking that baton has been an unmitigated disaster. Just in, uh, look at the personnel decisions that they're making, the contracts, the guys they're signing to. It's it has. It has been, in, it, this is part of them evolving from a mediocre team into a bad team and flirting with the worst team in the league is, is the ascension of macro and some of the decisions he's made. I don't think he, he should be um, given a free pass from criticism. 
No. Well, there's not a single person in the organization that should be given a free pass from criticism well, he's at, at this the, point. I, right? I he's, he's at the center of yes, it in my yeah, book. Yeah. Well, you know, it, eventually, look, it, it'd be funny to see like, you know, if Bill were to leave, right, via whatever means, uh, does the criticism get passed off to the next person? Now, now that Bill's not there, maybe he'd get exposed, right, if, if they didn't have another you know, anybody else. But look, I mean, like you've said this, like we've said this a million times. I think it all comes back to like, it's very tough to put the blame on anybody that's not Bill. And we've even tried it with Robert Kraft. Because like, if anything, I would I would even say Robert is wedged in between Gro and Belichick. Like, I think Kraft is probably second to blame before Gro. Do you disagree? I don't. Know. I don't know. That's a that's a great. I mean, obviously Belichick is 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 absolutely first to blame. 100%. No question about it. A hundred percent. He takes the hugest portion of it. I think Kraft is in a tough spot. I'm not trying to make excuses right, for him, yeah. but he's not a football guy. So what is he supposed to do? You know, he hands the keys to the franchise to the football guys, and he lets them make decisions. And when those decisions don't work out, then, you know, what, what's Kraft supposed to do? You know, I feel like he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. Well, you know, I, I agree. He is stuck between a rock and a hard place. I guess my my only counter argument would be that we just mentioned how blatantly it obvi- obvious it is to non-football experts what the holes were, what the problems were, and like what the struggles were going to be with for this team if they didn't fix it. And I have a hard time saying that, okay, Kraft may not be a, an X's and O's, you know, football guy, but- he should be able to look and say, "Hey, you know, Bill, let's let's meet for a steak and talk about the fact that we got we got no what number one receivers. We got nobody protecting our supposed franchise quarterback. Why, you know, like it, it just there's a litany of things that I would expect Robert Kraft to eventually, maybe not publicly, but eventually address behind closed doors before you know things get to this point. It's not like Belichick though; it's just any." Garden variety coach that crap. I mean, you're talking someone about someone who is a Hall of Fame coach that has an impeccable reputation. Like when 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 for 20 years, right? Robert Kraft trusted Bill Belichick, and it worked tremendously. And then all of a sudden, now in the last four years, it's gone from like one extreme to the other, where nothing is working. You know, I can see why Kraft has a hard time stepping in and meddling with someone who has been that successful for that long as Belichick was. I can understand I can understand the dilemma Kraft's in. I can for sure understand the dilemma. I I think And if, the reluctance to get involved. And the reluctance, but you know, if we if we were still on year one or year two of the rebuilds, right? Or even year three of the rebuilds, I think we could I, I think each year we get removed away from the start of this rebuild. Uh, that argument, I think, loses a little bit of weight because eventually Kraft does need to step in and right the ship ultimately, I would think. You know? It, 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 I think I think at this point, I think, you know, you're going to be able to start giving a lot more responsibility to Kraft. You have to. If he continues think, to yeah. not intervene because at this point, it's apparent that that – what they're doing as an organization isn't working. But I've right. said for two years, and you can go back and listen, like Robert Kraft didn't become Robert Kraft because he's afraid to make tough decisions. Don't confuse oh, yeah. him giving Belichick a long leash with him being afraid to intervene. I think we're all going to find out this year that Robert Kraft will do what he has to do to protect this franchise, which is his investment. Yeah. Um, 
Bill Belichick earned a long leash. He earned extra. Any other quarter, any other coach in the NFL would have gotten fired two years ago. For sure. There's no question about it. And if they didn't get fired two years ago, they would have got fired last year after the Patricia Judge fiasco. So, so, but Belichick earned a longer leash than pretty much anyone else. But when things have been this bad for this long, Belichick's Belichick, you know, his leeway is over. And I think Kraft is going to do what he needs to do this offseason to protect the franchise. So, so, you know, I don't think I don't think it's that Kraft has been shying away from, you know, reigning in Belichick or moving on from Belichick. I think it's just he was being reasonable to a point. Like guy had a great 20-year run. You got to give him a little bit of a longer leash than some rookie coach that hasn't earned it. No, and I agree with that. And, you know, I almost wonder, too, just going back to to Bill's comments the other day at the podium, is Bill almost starting to become self-aware of the situation? Like, is he maybe hinting to the fact that he needs to remove himself from the situation? Like, in maybe return to the fucking... You know, the GM role. Like, I, I you know, I don't know. Oh, just God. A, the I, GM role. <laughs> well, well, oh, what, 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 I mean, just, it just seems like, you know, his comments left the door open for a number of things. And yeah. I wonder if any ounce of that is him being a little well, self-aware. Well, I'll put it this way, Justin, and then we're, we're going to, we'll move on to a yeah. few more topics before we get to the breakdown. Um, they lost 72 to three combined. Yeah. The last two weeks. Right. Bill Belichick will not coach the rest of the season if if that's what the rest of this year is like. There will be some palatable excuse for a soft landing to get Belichick out. He will take medical leave. There will be personal reasons. It will be yeah. something palatable and soft like that to put him to the background I mean, and let Bill O'Brien or oh. Gerard Mayo step away. Yeah. Because Bill Belichick is not going to sit out there at 72 years old and pound his head against rocks with a team that isn't listening to his message and losing by 20 or 30. Yeah. The, the Patriots are not as bad as they showed the last two weeks. No. Because they have quit. They have completely quit and they have completely tuned out the messaging. And Belichick is not going to stand in and and just and 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 be a part of a disgrace like that for 12 more weeks. I will guarantee that there will be some back door yeah. if things don't change fast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, in that sense, it's a win-win, right? Because either something changes or we get what we've been saying, which is change ultimately a- so. absolutely all right well i'm gonna i'm gonna bounce off facebook live if you like yeah. what you've uh, heard we still have plenty more to go through in the podcast including the next person who i think is um is skating and not getting enough criticism but find us on spotify find us on itunes dr football podcast we'll share the link uh later this evening uh you can hit us up on facebook uh write our dms if you have questions and uh we will we hope we hope we uh see you guys on some of the other uh, avenues that we're on have a great um, have a great day to everyone on facebook live okay so um i'll tell you another guy that's skating and all this and i haven't heard his name enough but did you realize the patriots have the worst special teams in the national football league statistically in terms of that dvoa stat like how much it affects the win probability what's happening on special teams they have the worst special teams in the league this team has franchise has made a stunning stunning investment in special teams their big free agent signing was a special teams guy they drafted a kicker and a punter this year and their punter sucks the kicker has missed kicks in consecutive weeks. He kind of sucks. They traded Nick Folk for a used bag of balls before the preseason. 
They need Nick Folk. He was their most reliable offensive player the last three years. The long snapper that they just resigned, he can't snap the ball all of a sudden. Their special teams is awful. Joe Judge is still the special teams coach. What the hell is Joe Judge doing in this franchise if he can't coach special teams with this kind of resources dedicated to special teams? This is the result you get. Why the hell is Joe Judge even a part of this franchise? I mean, I, you know what? I agree. I, that's another guy that, you know, we, we thought that returning him to almost like his proper place, so to speak, was going to, uh, was going to, you know, kind of fix everything for, for the special teams. And, you know, it's funny that you say that because it's like, I, maybe just because of how many other things have gone wrong for them this year, I didn't think that their special teams had been that poor. Like, I, May, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, I, I can't think of too many big plays they've given up on special teams. But I guess what you you know what you're getting to is like you know, the like the 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 little nuances of it, like the punting, yes. like you know. And so when you think about that, and I guess how much it actually does affect you know the win probability, it is just another example of failure in the organization from a coaching and a personnel level. Uh, it, it is. It is, a, it is another uh, uh, symptom of organizational failure. When you make that kind of investment in special teams and these are the results you get, something is desperately wrong. Something is deeply wrong with what, what you're doing as an organization. That's like the one thing. That, that a Belichick team should be good at is special teams. I mean, who, who places more emphasis on special teams than Bill Belichick? And somehow at this point, you suck at special teams. Right. It's it's unbelievable. Another name, Justin, that, that, that's coming up and getting a little criticism. Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator. We had high hopes for Bill O'Brien. Yeah. I'm going to say something controversial. I don't blame Bill O'Brien much at all for this mess. I mean, I think the play calling has been fine. I know, I know everyone wants to, you know, the problem is the players. Bill Belichick, Bill, Bill O'Brien can't make chicken salad out of chicken crap. I don't care who's coaching. When you can't block, you can't catch, you can't get open, your quarterback's sped up and rattled and flustered, and you can't run the ball, guess what? It doesn't matter who's coaching. I don't really blame Bill O'Brien much for what I'm seeing. I, it's funny because I've been kind of thinking the same thing. If anything, I thought like I, I'm still looking at Bill O'Brien as like a nice welcomed change compared to what we saw last year. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the play calling has been the issue. Um in if anything, you know, it, it he seems to have brought a, a level of normalness back to back to the the offense and the, and the coaching staff a little bit. Um, so no, I I don't think he should be he should be getting much criticism. I mean, if 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 anything, I would take a look at maybe uh, uh, what what's his name? Who's 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 the line coach? Adrian Clem. That was going to be the next one I brought okay. up. He's he. I haven't heard his name mentioned yeah. once this in the last yeah. two weeks. What's going on with the offensive line? Now, I know, I think we both agree, the problem is mostly personnel. But what has Adrian Clem done to, to, to stabilize the situation? Nothing. 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 I mean, do they look like a well-coached offensive line? They look like a disaster. Well, the thing that's kind of crazy to me is like, you know, we, we talked about how deep they went when the roster cuts came and how many, because they kept, a, you know, a couple of extra guys on that line. And the fact that like a, a Vidarian Low or Love, whatever his name is, was still starting the other day, it's like just I just don't understand like how they're not able to to put like a couple of con like you already have 
uh, Andrews and Trent Brown, right? Like those are in th those are those are two dudes that you could you're plugging in three holes from like another like seven spots, and I just don't understand how they can't seem to like you know I don't know they can't seem to figure out a semblance of something that works. Like you can still Joe. Andrews is still a, a great center. I so think. are you saying that you think the offensive line is more talented or should be better than they've been? I agree. Yes. I think the offensive line is a better offensive line than they've been. That's one of the reasons why I want to bring up Clem is because I'm looking at him. I'm like, okay, Andrews is still a good center. Trent Brown, even when he's not at his best, uh, is still better. Than he's the, the ninth highest rated tackle per PFF this year, Trent Brown. There you go. So it hasn't been bad. Right. So Trent Brown hasn't been bad. Andrews is still good. And we talk about, oh, Owenu is- is, He's is, good. Is, is someone who's good, right? So it's like, at that point, we're talking about three, <clears throat> out, three out of your five guys should be good enough to give you a decent offensive line. How are you not able to plug in the holes with the rest of the guys that we brought in and coach them up to the point where we can at least- it's, it's, a, it's a great point, Justin. And I'm glad you brought it up because there's no question like, Overall, this has been the worst offensive line in football. But when you really look at most fran most teams, do they have five Pro Bowl offensive no. linemen? No. Most teams have a couple of guys they can count on yeah. and a couple of guys that they're plugging in, in into those holes. This team has at least three reasonably stable offensive linemen. Yes. I think Trent Brown is prone to mental mistakes, and I think he's made several of them that have burned them this year. He's still not a bad tackle. And Andrews and Owen AU, I think, are still good players. Right. Um, Cole Strange has been a mess, and the right tackle has been a mess. A well-coached offensive line, a, a, a good offensive line coach, should be able to get better results from that than what we've seen exactly. in these first five games. Exactly. Because they've been awful. It's it's so true. Okay, what about um what about the defense, Justin? We talk a lot about this defense. Um, I'm disappointed in the defense, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because they're not making plays. They have you know how many turnovers they have in five games? I think it's only one or two, right? Two. two? Fumble against yeah. Philadelphia. Interception against Tua Tagovailoa in the second week. Yeah. They have now played three straight games without getting a turnover, right? Am I wrong? They didn't have one against Dallas. They didn't have one against the Jets. And they didn't have one, obviously, yesterday against the Saints. They have not forced a turnover in three games. I find that very disappointing. So, you know, the defense, it's like, it's tough for me to, to come out and criticize the defense too much when, because I look, I look at it and I'm like, okay, they have not been at full capacity since the start, right? Their secondary, which was supposed to be one of the deepest parts of this team, started out the season with, with what, two or three of the guys on, um, you know, on the bench, right? I think I don't think we had we've seen any of the Joneses in action this year, except for Marcus. Je, uh, Jonathan yesterday played. Jonathan, okay, so John, Jonathan played for the first time. For the first time, yep. right? You know, Marcus time, played right, one game and then got and, hurt, and then got hurt, right? And so Jack I mean, hasn't played. Jack hasn't played. So I, you know, I looked at that and I was like, okay, you know, the defense still looked decent in the first couple of games. I was like, all right, this is still a defense with potential. But then you lose Christian Gonzalez, you lose Matthew Judon. And I look at that team and I'm like, you know, what do I actually realistically expect out of them? We lost, they lost their two biggest strengths. And that was their, their ability to get after the quarterback with one of the best edge rushes in the league and the ability to really like lock in in the secondary. And 
they've been papered. Then Miles Bryant operating as your number one cornerback. Good luck. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair point. I, I feel like, look, if this defense can't force turnovers, this team is in big trouble, right? In yeah. 2021, they, they were seventh in the league in offensive scoring. And why? Well, their offense was good, but it wasn't that good. But it was really because their defense created a ton of opportunities for them. The same thing needs to happen this year. And it really hasn't so far. Look, you know, the defense is not the problem on this team. I've been a little disappointed in yeah. them. I think the last two weeks, especially, they kind of quit a yep. little bit or they weren't playing as hard as they had been before that. But, but, but to your point, the offense is always putting them in a bad position with turnovers, three and outs, et cetera. Overall, it's hard to blame the defense for what's going on here, but they're really not making plays. No, I mean, I, I, I agree. They're not making plays. Um, they're not making plays. They're, they're operating paper thin and they've gone up against, you know, some, some decent offenses. So is it really is just a recipe for disaster when, when you look at it and, you know, all their, they're not really getting much back. Right. I mean, you know, you could say, I think at this point, Christian Gonzalez is probably safe to say he's the number one cornerback, right? Gone for the year. Gone for the year. Matthew Judon, the number one edge rusher, gone for the year. It's like, you know, at a certain point, how healthy are they going to get? And the, the, the JC Jackson signing to me is just kind of funny at this point. Like it's more comical than anything. It's like, you know, that guy, we joked about how bad he's been in, in uh, LA, like since he left, right? Yeah. How, how great it was. And we didn't that talk we about him. that yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we talked about how great it was that we let him go and we didn't pay him. And that was a great, actually a great move by Bill because he bought, he's, been, you know, so crappy since he's been out in the Chargers. And then we bring him in and I hear people talking about like, oh, well, we're bringing in JC to, you know, to fix the problem and then the secondary to replace Gonzalez. I'm like, it's not going to do anything. And he got burned a couple times the other day too. I, I didn't even notice that he played all that much. I feel like Miles Bryant was out there more than JC Jackson yeah. was. All right, let's uh, let's move on. One more topic, and then we're going to get to the breakdown. We're going to go through the few, I think, inflection points in this game. Because <laughs> when you lose like that, there really is not a ton in that regard. But I've said this a few times. I don't I don't think you've shared your thoughts yet. Are the Patriots the worst team in football right now? And should and should they look at, at the rest of the season as almost a tank situation? Or if not a tank situation, a more of an eye towards the future, trading at the trade deadline, getting rid of pieces, protecting the few assets they have. What's what, are they the worst team in football? So I'm gonna say no. I don't think they're the worst team in football, but I do think who's worse? They're close. I, I I'd make an argument that I I think the Panthers are in a worse worse condition. Yeah. I think the Giants are in worse shape than us right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I'm sure maybe there might be one or two others, but the Patriots are definitely in that bottom bottom tier. And the fact that we're even able to sit here and debate that, I think, is is terrifying for. For, for the product, it, it's actually, you know, it just makes me think if anybody, you know, was watching Red Zone like I was on Sunday, you know, Scott Hansen 
he kept harping on whenever he would flash back to the New Orleans game, just how bad it was, right? And at one point he said, you know, to the to the uh, on the broadcast, he said, you know, I'm sorry if I'm I'm harping or you know if I'm, I'm I'm overplaying this, but he's like, you're just not used to seeing these results from this uniform in this organization. And it was just so true. It's just, you're just not used to seeing any of that. So it's, it's, it's very tough. I, I think the the Panthers are probably the only team that you could argue is, is worse than the Patriots. And I'm not even sure I totally agree that they actually are worse than the Patriots. And I would say to you that the Panthers probably have more foundational pieces right now than the Patriots have. We don't believe in Bryce Young, but we shouldn't discredit that he was the number one pick in his fifth game. And if you're a Panthers fan, you have way more to be hopeful and excited about because you have I, Bryce yeah. Young than, than the Patriots do. Yeah. They have that Brian Burns defensive end. They, they have at least a, a couple of, you know, I don't know, foundational type players there. They're obviously a bad team. They're probably the other candidate. I look at teams like the Bears. Okay, the Bears, I think, have way more going for them. And yeah. I think their quarterback now, suddenly, over two weeks, how fast things change. But I think he has more going for him um, and, and, and for that franchise. I, the Giants are another team that I think is a mess. But I don't feel like you could quite say they're as bad as the Patriots. The one thing the Patriots have going for them, the Giants don't have going for them, is at least the Patriots haven't made a forty million dollar commitment to yeah. their quarterback, Seriously. and that is gonna just that is gonna kill. So long term, the Giants, if this trend keeps up the way they're playing, they might be the one franchise that has a bleaker outlook or a bigger rebuild than the Patriots, if only because they've made commitments to two players in Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, who I don't think will really be part of their future. Jones because he sucks and Barkley because he can't stay healthy. They're going to have to get their way and get out of those two horrible contracts before they can move forward. That, 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 that might be why the Giants, even though they're a better team than the Patriots, you could argue have a bleaker outlook than the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I, again, it's it's you're you're struggling after those couple of And actually it's funny because just to go back to the Bears and Justin Fields real quick, uh even though I think we're pretty much convinced that Justin Fields isn't like, you know, going to be a, a great franchise quarterback, the one thing that he's done consistently, or, you know, I, it's almost ironic to say it's consistently because he consistent, he's consistently inconsistent, but we've seen it in person. He can take over a game, he can put up. You know, he could, he could command an offense that'll go out on any given night and put up 40, 50 points. You know, he can, he can throw for four touchdowns and, and rush for two others, um, and just single handedly take over a game. And that's something we've never seen Mac do. Never, never, never seen Mac do. Right. And you could even see it like on um, Thursday night against the Washington Commanders, right? Yeah. And you saw you saw flashes from Fields that we saw it in person at Gillette. He at came Gillette in as a heavy That's underdog right. That's and right. spanked us. So I'm know? no Justin Fields guy. He's had he's he's had more lows than highs, but sometimes it does take a little longer to develop a quarterback, and he's showing a lot. Each of the last two weeks. And I would say in the last two weeks, even in a loss to Denver and then against the commanders on Thursday light night, I'm not sure we've ever seen from Mac Jones what Nothing. We, we saw from Justin Nothing Fields close, no. in either of those games. 
Um, let, let's let's go to the breakdown, Justin. Let's talk about the few, I would say, inflection points that I identified in this game, things we can talk about strategy-wise. When you get your ass kicked like this, there's really not much you can say in that regard. Um, I want to talk about the first series of the game because the, the Patriots come out, they got a huge stop against the Saints. Um, I believe they took a punt, um, forced them to a punt and get the ball back. Their first play of the game, the Patriots run for eight yards. It was probably one of their best running plays in weeks, okay? They have a second and two. Do you remember what they did on the second and third play? I, I know. So actually, it was, it was funny because I uh, I dozed off for a little bit on the couch right at the beginning of the game, and I woke up to it being 21 <laughs> It was like Rip Van Winkle, yeah, right? Yeah, was like, what the hell? Exactly. Like, what? Oh, that yeah. was only, I was only asleep for 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they, they, they threw two deep passes on second and two and third and two. And both guys were just blanket coverage, just blanket coverage. Nobody open. Why are you not running the ball? I know they suck at running the ball, but they really haven't been committed to it. I thought that was awful play calling by Bill O'Brien. You know, I, as, as I just said, I'm not super critical of him, but that was bad play calling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, Hearing that, I'm like, okay, that just sounds so stupid. But yeah, who knows? You know, did I, and obviously I don't know this, but did Mac like did he call any audibles? Did he kill any plays? And, I don't think you know, so. Where, I, I think it was just a play call. Yeah, it was just a play call. Yeah, and nobody. So. And I was sitting. So at the game yesterday, I sold. I gave my. I didn't sell my tickets. I gave my tickets to a friend. Yeah. And I was sitting in the GP atrium. So I was watching the game from yeah. like the vertical Madden vertical offense view. Yeah. Right yeah. in the end zone. Yeah. And if you think Mac was like missing all these open receivers, you are. 1000% wrong yesterday. Like nobody was open. Like there was no separation. Nothing was open. And on both of those plays, you know, there was a narrow window on the second and two play to get the ball into Hunter Henry. Yeah. Um, it would have had to take an absolute perfect throw. There was a safety here. There was a cornerback right on there. And there was a narrow window for Mac to fit it in. On the third down play, there was nothing. It was a, th it was a throwaway play. And, and it was just a waste of an opportunity. Very stupid play calling. What about the first interception, Justin? The the um the the honey badger, Mathau's pick six for the touchdown. I'm gonna say something super controversial about that play. I do not blame Mac Jones for that one bit. When your quarterback has like a second and a half to throw the ball on a third and six, and he's about to get clobbered by a defensive end, he's trying to stand and deliver. Isn't that what a quarterback is supposed to do? It is a game of inches. It is a game of milliseconds. It Obviously, in hindsight, and you slow it down, Mac Jones should have thrown the ball away. But you got a split second to make the decision. You need to protect your quarterback more to give him the time to make a good decision. Instead, Trent Brown gets turnstiled, I think, by Cam Jordan, and Max got a defender in his face. By the time he plants his back foot, his arm gets hit, the ball goes flying up in the air. How is that the fault of the quarterback? I it's tough. Look, I mean, I I agree. It's it's a tough tough situation to be in you know we've praised mac for standing in standing in the pocket and delivering before um you know, it's tough for it to backfire but like i would also say that like look you kind of know the situation you're in where it's like your backs are against the wall you're 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 one in three things are not looking good and it's like you know you're 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 about to be in a battle at home like maybe you 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 moderate your 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 decision making a little bit, you know what I mean? Like I don't know. I it's I get that in, in most circumstances, that's what we'd like to see a quarterback do: stand in, in in the pocket and deliver. But like, 
I don't know. Maybe you tell yourself, hey, we can't afford to go down seven nothing on a pick six. Like that would just crush any little momentum or morale we have. It was the worst possible start for for like yeah. it was literally the last the worst thing possible thing they, they exactly. needed to happen uh, for Mac Jones was 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 to have him come in and just have a bad play like that. And it sucks because a lot of times you know a deflected ball like that just harmlessly bounces to the ground. Little bit of bad luck, if you will. You know, it, it was it was literally. It just took a bad situation psychologically for Mac Jones and made it a thousand percent worse. Yeah, agreed. How about the uh, the second interception, Justin? That was um, which one was that? That oh, the, the second interception to um, to Pop Douglas or Tyrone Montgomery. Mac Jones threw an absolutely perfect pass. Yeah, that wasn't his fault. That one was not his fault at all. Right. Like that was a terrific, terrific pass. At that point, the game was out of hand. What did you think about the fumble um, that? I don't know if it was on Stevenson or Jones, but uh, wh- who do you blame for that one? Uh, I mean, you, you're talking about on the pitch, and like, yeah, yeah I well, I it, I don't know. It seemed like Mac threw it in the wrong spot. It wasn't a terrible pitch, though. I well, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't really know who you. But I like, I was. The pitch were off. Like was Stevenson in the wrong spot? I don't know. Yeah, so, I'm I mean, gonna go fifty fifty on that one. Yeah, the, I, the pitch was a little behind him. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta make that play. But the person I really blame for that is Bill O'Brien because I hate that call. It was a bad call. It was a stupid call. It's third and one. You've got Ramondre Stevenson. What are you doing? Doing some like intricate toss play? I hate toss play on on short yardage situations. It never works. You end up losing three or four yards. I feel like all the time. Just run the damn ball straight ahead. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it just, like I said, it just seems like whenever this team tries to be innovative, they do it at the worst times. Well, they don't execute. The they, they don't yeah. execute because they don't have the players. And don't forget, part of the problem on that pitch play was I think it was the right tackle got turnstiled. And yeah. Ramondre Stevenson didn't have his eyes up. Now, was it a perfect pitch for Mac? No, he pitched behind him. Right. But Stevenson is, is about to get clobbered. He's thinking of how am I going to shake this defender and get that first down still. And he forgot that he needed the ball in order to do that. Yeah. But the right tackle Valerian low, again, you just got absolutely, absolutely, you know, slaughtered on that play. Yeah. And that's, and that's what happens. Yeah. Poor execution. The only other major inflection point that, that I can think to is, um, well, there's two. Yeah. Number one is um, miss field goal. I think it was, Seven to nothing at that point. Yeah. Um, it's hard for me to say the game would have been much different if he hit that field goal, but I hate to see them missing the field goals there. Those are the field goals Nick Folk makes. He's money. Those are the little things that, you know, just make a bad situation worse. And they just take away any chance of hope that you had. You know what yep, I mean? It's absolutely. Like, it's like you have to, it's one thing to say, hey, some of the big things aren't going our way today. Right. But if the little things aren't, you know, you're not even doing the little things right. You can't hit a 45 yard right. field goal on, right. on turf right. in October. Exactly. I mean, it wasn't you know? that windy yesterday. So uh, it was, you know, it's it's um, it's good thing they suck because I would hate for them to to have to rely on Chad Ryland at some point this year for a really important game. Like yeah. I have very little confidence in him right now as a kicker. You know, he, he you know, look, Vinatieri got off to a bad start too his rookie year that was 96, I'm sure you don't remember that. Um Guskowski had some low points early in his career. 
Ryland might end up being a very good kicker, but right now he is not reliable at well, all. Well, maybe, honestly, maybe the best thing for him could be to just have a season without pressure that he can That's just right. go out there and kick and That's try right. to get his footing. You that, know? that might be the best thing for him yeah. because, you know, I mean, he he's missed two field goals in consecutive weeks on turf outdoors. What's what's going to happen in February, uh, December and January, you know, when he's kicking in elements, it, it could, it could be very problematic. And then the only other, I think point that I would say w- was worth discussing was um, Patriots at this point are down 21, nothing or 24, nothing right before the half. They had probably their best drive of the day, which isn't saying much, but Mac Jones hit three consecutive passes um, in the two minute situation. They're hurrying up the field. They come to a fourth and three with about 50 seconds left and they elect to punt the ball from the New Orleans 38-yard line. Yeah. I thought that was terrible. What are you doing at that point? You're playing not to lose. You have to take some chances to get back in the game. That was your best drive. You're getting the ball in the second half. Right. You can get yourself back in this game if you can steal a score there. Even a field goal, okay, yeah. would have been absolutely huge there to get, to get the two for one, come back out and score on the first drive of the second half. Okay, there's a window. There's hope. You're not totally out of it at that point. To punt the ball there, it just it was just absolutely the wrong mentality. I would rather they go for it. And not get it, and New Orleans scores, and you go down 24 or 28 to nothing or whatever it was at that point, another field goal or touchdown, than just to kick the ball away and basically say, stalemate, we'll take our chances in the second half. A hundred percent. It's like we've said, every time that they're aggressive, it's ill-timed. And every time that they're not aggressive, we sit there like, what are you doing? You yeah. know what I mean? They just they're, they're just they're, totally out of they're, sync. They're out of sync. They're making the wrong moves at the wrong time. Belichick it's, said something interesting about that call in his um in his post game and uh, not his press conference, his um WEI interview this morning. He said, "Until we get better at third and fourth downs, we're not going for that." And I just I did think that was interesting because mm-hmm. I could almost understand, I guess, a little bit at that point about look, we suck. We can't convert third and shorts. We're not converting fourth and shorts. We're one of the worst teams in the league. So why are we going to put our, our team in that situation? I kind of get that, but I still think they should have gone for it. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you know, at this point, it's like, what do you got to lose by trying to get better? All right, let's move on. Let's talk about some of the teams actually playing real football and that have a real chance of having a real football season. Because I don't think right now the Patriots are are one of them, unfortunately. Um, Around the league... Let's let's start. We just mentioned Justin Fields' name, but I do want to talk a little more about him because I'm starting to wonder if you could make the argument that Justin Fields will be the best quarterback from the 2021 draft before the season's over. I think if you look, Mac Jones is in a tailspin. We thought he might have been the best even a right. few weeks ago. Okay. Now he's in a tailspin. Yeah. I think with Trevor Lawrence, what you see is what you get. Like, I'm not expecting the promissory greatness associated with Trevor Lawrence continues to amaze me. We've talked about it a few other times. Like, what is this guy done that makes him the next Andrew Locke or the next, you know, Pat Mahomes? It's just not there. He's got plenty of talent around him. He's got a great coach. He's in a great situation. So I'm not sold on him. I think he's a good quarterback, but not a great one. I think that's what he is. I really do. I don't think he's a bad quarterback, but I don't think he's going to be a great quarterback. Justin Fields is the one right now that's showing some flashes of of maybe, and I wouldn't say he'll be a great quarterback either. It might be that none of these quarterbacks are great quarterbacks. That's where it's headed. But I think Fields right now probably has the most upside of, of that of any of them. I mean, I, I would agree. He's, I, you know, Fields is another guy that 
you know, we haven't talked about it as in detail, but he got a raw deal as well. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh, totally. He, he got a super raw deal in Chicago. You know, they, you know, from the, the coaches to the the personnel, he got screwed too. So, you know, he had the same thing going for him that Mac did. He was, he was, he, he it's basically the same type of situation where he was put in an awful situation, awful O-line, awful weapons, um, questionable coaching, but he was still able to show us that he has special abilities in the right circumstances, right? Something that Mac to this point has not shown us. So I like it's it's very realistic to think that like if you took I actually heard someone say this the other day. I can't take credit for it, but if you were to take Justin Fields and throw him in like Atlanta, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, totally. Like uh, like you know what what's the potential the 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 limit for his ceiling at that but, point? But you know I feel I mean? like, like with with the Bears, I mean, I really think the biggest issue right now is is the coaching situation. I don't know if I believe in the coach. You I know, don't know I think, if I believe in him either, honestly. But but from what I've heard, I've heard more and more people say that you know Eberflus is actually a decent coach. Well, well, this is what I will say. Like you know, you're in any position in the NFL, coach, quarterback, whatever, you're going to face adversity and you're going to have games where you look bad. Yeah, And one of the things that makes a great player great, and we saw no better example of this than Tom Brady, is your ability to respond to adversity and be resilient. And it's why I'm so disappointed in Mac Jones, by the way, because he completely crumbled yesterday in that situation. But my point is, is that, hey, you have to give Matt Eberflus credit because while everyone was telling him to, to tweak his LinkedIn resume and get his CV ready, his resume ready, yeah. and, and get his walking papers printed in case, you know, he was going to get fired on Thursday night, Friday morning, if they lost that game on Thursday night. And they went out and they played the best game that they have played in two years. So I'm not saying Matt Eberflus is a great coach, but what I'm saying is that he's a young coach who showed that he had some sack to go out there and at least win a game yeah. When you really had all the pressure in the world on you, so good for him. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And I mean, hey, at this point, you could you could say they got more going for uh, for them than us. Oh, know? They, there's no question yeah. the Bears have way more because I still think there's a realistic chance Fields becomes a franchise quarterback. Yeah, DJ Moore's a, a DJ a good Moore receiver, looks yeah. like a stud. Patriots yeah. could add him; they weren't interested, yeah. right? Um, Darnell Mooney's good. Cole Clement's good. They got a couple good backs. They have way more yeah. going for them yeah. than, the, than the Patriots do. Not, not even debatable. I have to say, I got to take it to Denver yesterday. And I know I'm a Patriots fan. I hate the Jets. I, I, I can't say that. I mean, I root against the Jets generally my entire life. I found myself rooting for the Jets yesterday. I don't know what it was. Like the idea... We have watched the whole world dump on Zach Wilson, and I've been part of that, completely yeah. admit it, right? We've all done it. It's like Pinocchio becoming a real boy, okay? He became a real quarterback the last two weeks. It doesn't mean he's a great quarterback or even a good quarterback, but he played the last two weeks like a real NFL quarterback. That's a damn good team that does not need him to be Patrick Mahomes, to be uh, a competitive, successful, borderline playoff team. And the Jets right now are winning, winning, won a game yesterday that they needed to win. Okay. Zach Wilson is showing, I think, for the first time in his career, legitimate signs that he can at least play in the NFL. And I find it interesting. I really do. Yeah. I, it, I find it super interesting because that was a guy that I think I was ready, very ready to say, I, was ready six months ago that he, to say that he wasn't the guy. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, so was I. So, it, so was everyone. You know. So it's just because it, he was awful, right? It, it right. But you know what? But again, it goes. It goes to the point that 
if the team around you is good enough and the weapons are good enough, can you eventually find your footing to the point where you can be uh, serviceable? Is Zach Wilson a better quarterback than Mac Jones? I don't want to. I see. I don't want to say he is because I think if Mac Jones was on this Jets team right now, I think they'd be. He's better. playing better than Mac Jones the last two weeks, but is he better quarterback? I say no. I say no. I don't think so. It's just. It's just you can take people trash right. Mac because he's average. Zach Wilson is worse than average, but look what they're getting from him because they have they have a good situation and he's developing. It's a, it's a two-way street. You put the quarterback in a good situation and yeah. it helps him reach his potential. That's what you're seeing right now with Zach Wilson. That's what the Patriots have failed at doing with Mac Jones. They've done the complete opposite. Yeah. I think I I think this Jets team is one of the more intriguing teams. They they play the game in a way that I feel like it's almost from a time gone by, but but you know, the, 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 with defense and they run the ball and they got the fiery coach that's kind of like hard nosed and Robert Sala and I love Robert Sala, um, and he's Lebanese too, by the way, which is <laughs> awesome. But because um, we're Lebanese, if you don't know, but um, I I find the Jets to be just an interesting team that I can't help but root for a little right now. Yeah, the the Jet. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple teams I feel like that have have slowly crept into that category for me. And I gotta say, I weirdly am not rooting against the Jets either. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Miami Dolphins, Justin, probably right now. I think if there's a top tier of teams in the league, I think you'd have to put Miami in it. To attack Valoa. Two years ago, I would have said his career was going to go the way Mac Jones has gone and Mac was going to go the way two is, has gone. Yeah. And, and it's actually been the, the complete opposite. God, was I wrong about that. Tua Tagliavoloa is proving every week that he is not just a good starting quarterback, but really a top level starting quarterback in this league, throwing again for 300 yards, two touchdowns. The guy produces consistently. Tua Tagliavoloa only has two things left to prove in this league. And they're two big things. One, he has to prove he can stay healthy. And two, he has to prove he can win in the postseason. Those are big things. But Tua Tagliavoloa is proving that he's an a very, very good NFL quarterback right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, it helps when he's got some of the weapons that he has, right? And, you know, uh, a coach who's willing to, you know, I, I guess take some of the, the the chances and give him, you know, some of the, the, the control that he's got. But to your point, he's proving that he's more than serviceable. He is a franchise quarterback. No question I, I about mean, it. I mean, like, he's a guy that you want out there. And again, like you said, this biggest issue is his health at this point. And I, I the postseason, I think, is tough because I'm trying to think, has he even made the the post? You know what I mean? It's because it, it's different. He still obviously still has to prove that he has to win in the postseason, but it's not like a Lamar Jackson thing where it was or like- Josh Allen Josh Allen thing, thing yeah. where it was like, oh, he's got to get the monkey off his back because he's right. consistently lost. No, he it. hasn't really right. had the chance. He was hurt right. last year. So, so he really hasn't had the chance to make it in the postseason. Right. Yet. So if anything, I think the biggest thing is just the health. And I I can't see this team, you know, not winning a game or two in the postseason if they go into it healthy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, th- I think that's where he's going to have the most to prove. But right. but, th- but I just think like for some reason, we, we talk about the top tier quarterbacks in the league and we don't mention Tua Tagliavoloa's name. No. And now I've watched this guy went healthy for two consecutive years be at the top of the league in statistical production and the top of the league in terms of MVP race, right? He's again, right there, top of the league, potential MVP. At some point, you have to give the guy 
credit for what he's doing. Um, does he have weapons around them? Of course he does. But, 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 but that doesn't, I mean, look, that doesn't guarantee success. This guy gets it done. I mean, I, I think, I, I think he's right up there with everyone else uh, in terms of he should be mentioned is, is I guess my point yeah. on the bottom of that top tier right now. Guess yeah. who's with 300 yards every week? He does. He's just, he's the definition of consistency when he's healthy. And he's living proof, by the way, that you don't need a rocket arm to be a great quarterback. And that's no. why people diminish him because he can't throw the ball 90 yards and yeah. off his back, back foot. Who cares? Because with him, it really is. I think he has a lot of the mental traits for success that, frankly, Mac Jones lacks. And, and I think that's why Tua is proving that he is a successful quarterback. It's, it's yeah. a mental thing. It's a focus thing. It's a how you take resiliency thing. Right. You know, th that's more important than any of the other stuff. <clears throat> okay. Um, Justin, I'm still not sure what Joe Burrow is, but I think he had a get right game yesterday. Yeah. I'm skeptical of Burrow. I really am more than most people. Um, he, he, I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. I just think maybe touch overrated. Um, but, but that was a get right yesterday game for the Bengals. That was a get right game. I look, I, I look at Joe Burrow and I say, you know, I, I don't think he's a guy who's impervious to, to ups and downs, right? Especially when he's not at 100% health. I mean, it was, you know, it came out the other day too that he even admitted he said he's not close to being 100% healthy. It's still expected to be, you know, weeks with barring any set, uh, setbacks. You but know, he was before. moving yesterday. He I was. saw him take off a few times. He, he looks he a did, lot but, healthier. And I'm sure, he, you know, as long as he's not having setbacks each week, he's getting progressively a little healthier. But, you know, look, I look at a guy who for the second straight year lost his preseason. You know what I mean? So he came into the season without, you know, with, with a cold start, not fully healthy. So I give him a pass for that. I've seen enough out of him in the past that, you know, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I think that get right game was big for him because, you know, a lot of people were starting to say, okay, well, when is that get right game coming? And it came, so. And, and it came against an Arizona team that has not been a pushover not this year. Not at all. They really haven't. I mean, right. they're much better, I think, than people give them credit for. I watched the other side of that Denver Jets game yesterday, and I want to talk about the Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson, look, he, he hasn't been bad this year. It looks much better. But Russell Wilson, to me, is just a half a step slower than he used to be. And that's Big why time. I don't think it's ever going to work. You saw it yesterday. Those plays where Russell Wilson used to like run around back yeah. there and make that amazing throw or buy that extra second, he kind of can't do that anymore because he's just a little slower. I thought Russell Wilson looked just a half step diminished from what we remember him to be yesterday. And I think you really see it. I agree. The I think the, the the weird thing for me is that I feel like the half a step slower has nothing to do with him physically. Like I feel like he's literally like reverted mentally. Like I feel like he's he's playing like a deer in the headlights. I almost think that's why he's a step slower. I don't think like he's physically become any slower. I think he's literally just caught uh, off guard. I, in, I in, think I think he's physically slower. I think he's I, physically slower, and and that's why. It, it looks like he's, I mean, it's a chicken or the egg. Right, right. right. I mean, yeah, there's no way to really know. 30 something right. years old. I mean, yeah. you look at not every quarterback is Tom Brady and can be viable no, that's until 45. True. It's true. You know, Cam Newton fell off a map at, in his 30s. Like right. a guy like Russell Wilson makes his living on that sort of quick escape m mobility thing that he did for years in Seattle. Don't take much 
lose 10%, lose 15%. And all of a sudden now you're getting caught from behind. Look at that awful fumble he had yesterday. I mean, that was a huge. I feel like five years ago, he 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 runs away from that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it is. It's it's uh it's he's been super interesting, but you know, I, I kind of liked uh the whole narrative, the side narrative between Nathaniel Hackett and Sean Payton that was going on yesterday. Did, did you play into yeah. that at all? Uh, oh, yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's interesting. We talked yeah. about that in the preseason. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Honestly, it was uh, – it's funny because, you know, it, for Sean Payton to go out and make those comments, you know, it, it, they're not really holding up. Now that the, now that the Broncos are falling apart under his watch, right? Yeah, it's almost like you know that was that was a good opportunity for Hackett to kind of be like, yeah, you know, not so easy, is it? Huh? I, I mean, they, the Broncos look a, a lot better on offense. They, I, they do fairness. look better. I mean, they they, do. They, and Russell Wilson statistically has been <clears throat> respectable this year, more than respectable. He's been very good statistically, but um, they have literally the worst defense in the NFL. Yeah, and and it's going to it's going to absolutely destroy them. Yeah, they can't win games when they play defense that bad. You just can't win like that. Um, before we get to the Sunday night game last night, which I think is a, is a, is a huge important game, but we want to talk about the, is there if there who is who who would you put right now if there's a top tier of teams in the NFL who would you put in the top tier right now who's your top tier and I'm gonna leave it open ended because I don't want to say it has to be five and you only think there's three or you know you think there's seven like who's your who's your top tier right now who's my top tier who's in teams? there and who who do you think will be in there. When we talk about this again in January. So, you know, it's funny because I almost feel like the uh, the 49ers are, are like in a, in a tear of their own, yep. if I'm being completely honest. Yep. But, you know, if I was to be a little bit more generous, I would say it's, it's the 49ers, it's the Eagles, it's uh, – I, I, I'm still going to say it's, it's, it's the Chiefs. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll put the Bills and Dolphins in there as well. I'll say it's maybe it's maybe those five teams. Why the Bills? See, the Bills to me showed showed me like you know what they did uh, to Miami last week, right? They showed to me that that is still a team that can put it together. Like that's that's still a team that like if all if all comes you know. If all goes according to plan at the end of the year and they're healthy and they're clicking, that is a team that could beat anybody on any given game. They have they have the type of defense that can stifle a Miami offense like we saw, and they have the type of offense that you know can put up big numbers. So it's just a dangerous team to me. But I do think the Bills are probably the last team of the of the five. Right right now, based on the first five weeks of the year, I'm going four teams in my top tier. Philly and San Francisco in the NFC, <clears throat> Kansas City and Miami in the AFC. Now, I think ultimately when this is all said and done, December, January, Buffalo is a better team than Miami. And I think they'll be in the top tier right. and Miami won't be. If you're asking me who I have more confidence in the postseason, I still would say Buffalo. You know, I keep, I keep taking the cheese on them every year. I feel like one of these years they're going to figure it out, break down the door and, and make it to a Super Bowl, make it in the postseason. But, but right now, yeah, I think you have to put Miami in that tier. And then I think at Buffalo, I feel like you can't put them on that level because they lost a game yesterday against Jacksonville that I'm sorry, you, you should, you're a top tier team. You have to beat a really mediocre Jacksonville team. And they did not play a good game against the Jaguars yesterday. 
No, you know, they didn't, you know, they, they, they got caught. It was tough. They, they went over the pond to London and, you know, they, they, they did, they just, they got caught. And, um, I, I, I agree with you that they're not at present an elite team, but I, but I, the reason I'm putting them in there is because I'm looking at them and I'm saying, okay, if there was a team that I thought could climb into that rank at some point that's teetering on the edge right now, I think it's the Bills. I would say the same thing too about the Baltimore Ravens. Like I think I think the Ravens, when it's all said and done, have a chance to be a top tier team. But I've been really disappointed in them in the first five weeks. And I guess, you know, I would like to say in January that the Ravens will be in that top tier, but maybe you disagree with this. The Ravens have given me, I picked them to make the Super Bowl, by the way, and they've given me reason to doubt that prediction. Like it's still early, but the Ravens have not looked good. It's been very choppy on offense. It's very choppy. It hasn't been the the Lamar Jackson kind of <laughs> 2007 Patriots type situation. I thought it was going to be right, right, right. where like, you know, he's he's playing for an MVP. I feel like, and I say this because I, I he is my fantasy quarterback, so I've been watching them. It's been very choppy. Yeah. Every touchdown has been, has been, you know, I feel like, really like it's been hard earned you know it just hasn't come easy to them except for a couple of spots here and there so i'm i'm concerned about the um the ravens and then you know i think beyond that like i think what we saw last night is that the Dallas Cowboys have have no business being mentioned as a top tier team. Like they I beat agree. the Giants, the Jets, and the Patriots, I and agree. they've gotten smoked by the 49ers. And they lost to the Cardinals. And they lost too. to the Cardinals. Right. So that tells me the Cowboys are what they've been, which is a borderline playoff team. And and I would think Dak Prescott's future is going to be very much in question this offseason. Um I still think when it's all said and done, if you ask me. I think we're careening towards the Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl. That 49ers team looks like the real deal. I mean, they're the, like you said, they might deserve to be in their own, like tier 1A yeah. right now. I mean, they're, they're really good. And I, I, I don't discredit what they did to Dallas last night because is Dallas maybe a fraud team? Yeah, maybe they're not a tier one team. They're a tier two team. They're a good team. They're a playoff team. And they got their doors blown off last night by San Francisco. So, you know, they are clearly the best team in the NFL right now. I think the Chiefs, when it's all said and done, and they're a very imperfect team, but the the strength, the power of the Reed Mahomes combination, just like we saw with Belichick Brady for all yeah. those years, I think of any team in the league in the AFC, they're the only one that may have a prayer of beating the 49ers in a Super Bowl. Well, you know, it's funny because it it really, what it comes down to is like, we talked about how wide open, you know, the AFC was at the beginning of the year and how talented so many teams were. But no true superstar team is emerging in the AFC. I mean, like we've talked about the Dolphins, but that's even a team with a bunch of holes. I think, you know, that's not a perfect team. Um And so I, I look at it and I say, okay, when there's no just absolute, you know, unit, of a team, it's a perfect opportunity for someone like Kansas City again to to rise back to the top, especially where, you know, my biggest knock on them for the last couple of years has been that defense. 
And this looks like probably the best defense they've had yeah. um, in, in the Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid era. So it, it's tough to say that they're not going to get back there out of the wide open AFC. Right? It's it's the same thing we saw we saw with Brady, with Brady for Brady, years. Right, right. I mean, Mahomes is going to do enough. You're always going to have a great offense because you have Mahomes, just like with Brady. And if you walk out there with a good defense and, and, yeah. and Andrew Reid is a terrific coach, I mean, that's going to give you an advantage over any almost any team you play. Or at least a chance against almost any team you play. So I think the Chiefs will have a chance if if they were to play the 49ers in the postseason. Yeah. The um the two best teams in the NFL, I think clearly the Eagles are, are number two. Like I think yeah. I think you know the the Eagles, I think when they get right, and and I feel like they've been working out some kinks, but they're starting to hit their stride. You saw it a little yesterday against the Rams. That was a, a good game in a tough spot. The Eagles, I think, are a team that has the talent to beat the 49ers blow for blow. The, the Eagles are funny because it almost seems like the Eagles came out of this Super Bowl hangover 5-0. and like It seems like they were visibly not the Eagles team from last year, but they still managed to look good in – what are, what are they? Four and zero, five and zero. The 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 Eagles. The yeah, Eagles five are five and zero. Right five and zero. Yeah. So the, so the Eagles have come out of their hangover five and zero, and they haven't even played close to their best football. So I agree. Like that's going to be uh, that's going to be very interesting. And, and they do play in the regular season too. And then and then if you're going to ask me who the third best team in that conference is right now, I'm, I think it's the Lions. I'm gonna not going to say, gonna say yeah. the Cowboys. I'm not going to say, um, you know, a, a, a anyone else. It's it's the Detroit Lions that, you know, are the third best team in, in the conference right now. I agree. I agree. And I think the Lions are for real. I, re I really do. Like, I think, I think they have, they've drafted exquisitely. You talk about <laughs> personnel. I know. The Lions have drafted really good the last three years. And a lot of homegrown Lions. A lot of homegrown yeah. talent. And, and the, the one pick they blew was the Jamison Williams, Williamson pick, which if they had hit that pick, I mean, they would really be in good shape. He's not have, even like, you can't even necessarily rule him out yet. He's suspended like, for what, four games or something, isn't I, he? I think he's, I think he's back now. Is he back now? I think he, so quietly, I think his suspension got overturned like ah. two weeks ago. So basically, you know, this is a kid who was dealing, between uh, dealing with a torn ACL and then a suspension, like he hasn't even had a chance to get up to speed. Imagine if he turns into like a, you know, a legit receiver. You got him and Amonra St. Brown as your one and two. Uh, yeah. You know, and if the he tight ends, Laporta. Laporta. They and drafted the O-line is almost all homegrown. And two good backs. And, yeah. they have, and they have a franchise left tackle, which is which is yep. Pini Sewell, which, yep. you know, we had the debate two years ago about the Bengals. Should they take Sewell or Chase? And I think the reality is, in retrospect, you couldn't have gone wrong either way. But yeah. Sewell is a real deal. Like, he that guy's a Hall deal. of Fame caliber player, yeah. anchor on the offensive line. I mean, Detroit's a fun team to watch too because they play physical fun they, team to root for the coach makes them fun to root for it's just they're a very likable team they are and they yeah. play they play the game right they, they 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 play hard they're a physical team and i think everybody is going to be if you're unless you're a fan of the eagles or the 49ers i mean the lions are going to be that team that everybody roots for yeah. th this season i would say those are probably the only three really viable teams in the NFC right now. I, th I think the Cowboys are, are a legitimate playoff team. I think the Seahawks will be a legitimate playoff team. And then you're going to see two bad teams make the playoffs, the winner of the NFC South and then one of the wildcard teams in the NFC. It's going to be something like, like that. Um, 
the AFC actually, I, I feel the same way. I mean, you know, the, I think I think the winner of the AFC South is either probably going to be Jacksonville or India. It's it's early, but you know, that's neither one of those yeah. teams is particularly frightening. Uh, you know, I mean. We see it every year, you know. We always say, "Oh, the AFC so good, the NFC so good," and then and then the herd always just kind of thins out a little right. as time players get hurt, players disappoint, um, things happen, and and we're we're always left with with a, with a select few teams that I think are real Super Bowl teams and and a lot of mediocrity, and that's certainly the way things are shaking down. All right, my man, any final thoughts before we move on? Uh, wrap it up this week, Patriots Raiders. Let's talk quick about that uh, preview. I mean, I'm just glad that I, I, I will say one thing in defense of Matt Jones, Bill O'Brien, this offense, they have played a gauntlet, a gauntlet of defense, like every one Very of these defenses. Tough. And like when you have offensive line issues like they have, the five teams they've played are five of the worst teams in the league you could play. Yeah, they the schedule has not been friendly at all. You could argue the Patriots have the toughest schedule in football this year. I mean, it's it is brutal and it has not been friendly to start the season. Um this game is going to be very telling, I think for a multitude of reasons because when you're dealing with now another kind of, you know, bottom of the league team, I think we could say in 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 the Raiders, right? The Raiders aren't world beaters. Um if they look like they're completely just dominated, then I mean, then it is full, full panic mode. Like we're we're in panic mode now, but it is like man overboard. It's hard not to to, to envision a scenario where this team isn't two and six at the at the break right now. Right, right. one and four. Right, they can win and rate against the Raiders. That would make them two and four. They're not beating Miami or Buffalo unless something shocking no. happens. Right, no, no, and and. I mean, you look at that Raiders team and come on, aren't they a way more talented team than the Patriots? Certainly on offense, they have way more talent. Yeah. Are they going to have a hard time stopping the Raiders this week? Like who's covering Devontae Adams? That's what I'm saying. No one's covering Devontae Adams. No one's covering him, right? I don't know what you Josh Jacobs, they got got Jacoby Myers' revenge game. Like, oh man. We might lose. Yeah. We could actually, we we could definitely lose. Yeah. There's a bunch of players who I mean, Jimmy G revenge, you know, Jacoby revenge. Right. But, you know, it's, yeah, the list goes on and on. I mean, if you, if you pull up their, their schedule, if they lose this game to the Raiders, like what game are they even going to win? I mean, what you know? I mean, really think about it. Like, if you can't beat the Raiders and you can't even be competitive against the Saints, the Colts are leading their division and they're three and two right now. The Commanders score points and they've been competitive throughout the season. The Giants are terrible. That's a winnable game. Um, Chargers, Steelers, Chiefs. But- I mean, they got the Broncos and Jets late in the year. You're looking at like a three or four win season. But the way I look at it right now is like, if we're not making the playoffs, I don't want to win any of these meaningless games. I want to get the best pick friggin' possible. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's like a, a bad way to look at it and to give up on the season. But hey, if we're not if we're not making the playoffs, give me the best draft pick possible. That's... I still feel like if they if they could claw their way back to mediocrity, they actually could salvage a season. I know I know that sounds crazy, but like, I mean, if they beat the Raiders, they still win against you know, um, at some point Buffalo. I, I don't know. You got Washington, Indy, the Giants, the Chargers coming here in again. December. Pittsburgh's mediocre. You got Denver. You got the Jets. I mean, they're you know seven eight wins, nine wins. You know. 
is not totally outside the realm of possibility for this it's team. Um, I hate to say that as the ceiling because that just sounds so pathetic, but that's that's really where they are right now. But like, if you can't beat the Raiders at home, I, I real I think if they beat the Raiders this week, a seven eight nine win season is not outside the realm of possibility, and even maybe claw your way back into like last wild card type contention as a ceiling if things go right. Okay, fine. You lose to the Raiders this week. It's all out the window. You're looking at like a two or three win season. And, you know, Justin, just to be frank, like water finds its own level. And if really right now you look at the talent on this team, this looks more like a three win team than a nine or 10 win team. So I, I think I think we know which way it's headed. Yeah, I do too. Honestly. But, but we'll see what happens this week. I will say I, I'm just I would like to see Mac have the opportunity to get a get a get, get right team against the Raiders defense that isn't that good yeah. because I mean, that that that's something he desperately needs for his own confidence. I agree. Yeah, it's a good opportunity for him. It's a good opportunity for him. Yeah. And they, they, need, they need to have a good game on offense, win or lose this week. Okay, well, that's all the time we have. I want to say thank you to everyone that listened to Dr. Football Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. The episode will drop tonight. That's Monday night. Um, and we will be back next Monday with another episode. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the Monday night game. And we will catch you next Monday, hopefully, talking about a Patriots win. But certainly won't be taking that for granted. Have a great week. Get rid of it.